Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Employment Law Matters with me, Daniel Barnett. This week I'm talking about without prejudice communications and professional privilege. Before I do, a huge thank you to Dino, D-E-A-N-O-O-O, who's put a review on iTunes saying, Great podcasts. Daniel breaks things down perfectly. Although Daniel quotes the legal jargon, he then also breaks down what it really means. Thank you for that, Dinu. And if you want to send your full name and address, assuming it's not actually Dinu, to podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk, we'll send you a copy of my book on employee investigations. And if you'd like a copy, please do leave a review on iTunes. Every week, we pick somebody's review to read out on the podcast and send them a copy of my employee investigations book as a thank you. And now, without prejudice and professional privilege. Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. Without prejudice communications, what are they? We all think we know what it means, but it's not always the same as knowing we know what it means. Keeping certain communications confidential can be fundamental to dispute resolution. It allows frank conversations to be had and conciliatory words to be written all in an attempt to reach a compromise, without any concessions coming back to haunt you. Labelling something as being without prejudice is a way of achieving that. But, and here's the but, many employers and employees simply add these words to correspondence or say them at the beginning of meetings in the vague and sometimes entirely forlorn hope that what follows will not see the light of day again and will not be admissible in an employment tribunal. But that's absolutely not guaranteed. In order to be inadmissible in employment tribunal proceedings, the words that are said or the words that are written have to tick certain boxes to validly be and genuinely be within the without prejudice rule. Here's the first one. To qualify for without prejudice protection, there must be a dispute between the parties at the time the communication, whether it's a letter or a conversation, is made. Sometimes that's obvious. Sometimes the employee will have threatened or even begun litigation. Sometimes where you've rejected a particular type of grievance, its nature will mean that a claim is all but inevitable and there will be a dispute. But it won't always be quite as obvious. Rejecting any old grievance is not enough for a tribunal to agree there's a dispute. Many unsuccessful grievances do not give rise to litigation. If you're looking to have a settlement discussion and there's no actual or potential dispute in the sense of litigation, your best bet might be to take the protected conversation route when bringing employment to an end. Be aware of the limitations though. Protected conversations are inadmissible, but only in ordinary unfair dismissal cases. If the employee brings a discrimination case or some other type of case, the protection won't apply and what you've said will be admissible. So box number one is there has to be a dispute in the sense of a, a real likelihood of litigation. Box number two is it's got to be for the 
purpose of settlement. Without prejudice, protection is all about trying to keep cases out of court. The communications have to be a genuine attempt to settle the dispute, which might include an offer of a payout. But if it's not a genuine attempt to settle a dispute, and instead is just you saying something totally random or possibly even insulting, it won't be without prejudice. So box one is there has to be a dispute. Box two is the communication has to be a genuine attempt to settle the dispute. Box three is everything has to be done by the book. To put it in legal language, which is a little bit of a high threshold, there mustn't be any unambiguous impropriety. Because without prejudice, protection can be lost where one or other side is shown to have abused the privilege. So using the rule to try to conceal blackmail is an example. Equally, an employer could lose without prejudice protection if it's put the employee under undue pressure to sign up to a settlement agreement or if the employer was acting in a discriminatory way during the discussions. As well as without prejudice protection being capable of being lost, it's important to understand it either applies or it doesn't. If you tick the three boxes, it applies. If you don't, it doesn't. Writing the words without prejudice on a letter won't make a difference if you don't tick the boxes. Conversely, not writing without prejudice on a letter doesn't mean it's not without prejudice if the three boxes are ticked. If everything points to it being something that was intended to be without prejudice, so it was written in a genuine attempt to settle a dispute, then it is without prejudice and the letter should not be seen by a judge. But it's best to mark letters without prejudice when you think they are, because it can make an ambiguous case fall on one side of the threshold or otherwise. I also want to talk about legal professional privilege, which is different from without prejudice. Legal professional privilege. Now, there are two types of legal professional privilege legal advice privilege and litigation privilege. Legal advice privilege, first of all. This covers confidential communications between a lawyer and the lawyer's client. So when you go to see your lawyer and he or she advises you on your legal position, legal advice privilege will apply to the confidential communications between you and a tribunal will never be allowed to know what's in it. Now, the law's really strict about this form of privilege only extending to legal advice given by lawyers. It will not cover advice provided by a non-legally qualified HR professional. And it wouldn't make a difference if the HR professional is simply giving advice mirroring that previously provided by a lawyer. Privilege doesn't apply. But there is a much broader form of privilege, which is called litigation privilege. Now that can attach to confidential discussions passing between a client and a lawyer or between a lawyer and a third party, so potentially an HR consultant. It can also apply to communications between you as an employer and another third party, such as an expert. Now it's a broader form of privilege, as I say. The material must have been created in order to attract litigation privilege for the dominant purpose of litigation. 
That's the phrase. It's got to have been created for the dominant purpose of litigation, something that will be examined very carefully by a tribunal in the event that admissibility becomes an issue. Think about this when you're creating correspondence or documents. Litigation has to be a real likelihood at the time. A general concern there might be litigation at some point, as is always the case in any dismissal scenario, isn't enough. The dominant purpose of creating the document has to be for the purpose of litigation. So litigation privilege can potentially cover communications, including drafts, between an HR consultant and the employer to whom they're contracted. It's a good idea to mark up documents to reflect they've been commissioned and created for the purpose of litigation, because that shows you were contemplating it. All correspondence between an HR professional and their client should be handled very carefully and be very clear about what client means in this context. It might not include a sister company of the employer, for example. And a final point. Personal data is exempt from the right of subject access if legal professional privilege can be claimed. So if there are privileged documents, you don't have to disclose them under a subject access request made under the Data Protection Act. Now, privilege is one of those legal areas that can be very technical. Understanding the basic rules about the type of privilege that might apply should help you take a sensible approach to communications, and it should also help you recognise when involving a lawyer in the creation of certain documents might add a layer of protection via legal advice privilege. Thank you very much for listening to this. Please do leave a review on iTunes. And if you have any questions, please do email me on podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk. Thank you for listening. Next week's episode is on employees who go AWOL. Bye-bye. Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.